You are listening to episode two of the On the Wrong Lead podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at wrong underscore lead, youtube.com slash on the wrong lead, and visit our website at on the wrong lead.com. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up. We did have some audio issues today, so just bear with us as we kind of work out the kinks. I tried to do my best uh, while editing to see if I could take some of those peaks out, um, but you'll you'll still hear some of the uh, clipping here and there. Um, so enjoy our episode. So once again, I'm Josh from On the Wrong Lead. I'm here with the wolf himself, Chase. How are you doing, Chase? I I am I'm here, man. I'm here. Uh, had a little little inner ear problem after flying earlier this week, so uh, that finally has righted itself. So I'm I'm glad to actually be able to hear you today. Yeah, I know you. Uh, you were saying that uh, that was the first flight you've taken since uh, since post surgery. So you were a little interested in how that was going to go, but sounds like through the power of alcohol, you made it. Yes. Uh, hashtag Skyloose. Clap, 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 clap. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, with like four Buffalo Trace old fashions in me, I was able to to get onto an airplane with uh, zero problem and also uh, zero fear. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Buffalo Trace, uh, I'm actually sipping on a little uh, little Maker's Mark Private Select here. It's a barrel pick from um, the local store over here. You got you got any uh, you got any juice flowing over there? Uh no, I, I just got home and uh my my wife and kids are are out of town, so uh, I literally ate a plate, a gigantic plate of bachelor nachos, just as fast as I possibly could before we uh before we started uh recording tonight. So no Kahlua, huh? No Kahlua, no, no. That's only on uh, special occasions like my uh, birthday and Mondays. Anyways, uh, we're gonna take a look here at a couple of these races here at Gulfstream Park. Um, I know the. If, if you're listening to this, it's probably going to go up on Thursday, um, but it's Wednesday night. The early PPs are out. The finals aren't yet, but uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll talk through some of these races and just uh, see some early thoughts that we got here. Um, since just Chase and I, uh, you know, we'll both be using mostly Brisnet stuff to take a look at this stuff. Um, so, and... You know, the, the one nice thing, Chase, is that, uh, you know, you and I seem to have a, a, a similar, I guess, a similar way that we look at races kind of quickly, you know, obviously starting with pace. Um, and, uh, you know, just before we started recording this, we, we were just kind of talking through some of these races and it was just like, oh, this is, this one's definitely going to melt, you know, we're gonna, or this is going to happen. So, so it's nice to talk a little bit of pace here and uh, not have those nasty DRF guys over here, you know, breathing down our necks. Yeah, just all oh Andy Buyer, buyer speed figures, oh, oh. you know what sheets. what we sheets sheets and works what we what we normally get uh out of out of those boys um yeah you know we we took a quick glance through the card and uh, there were some uh, Chernobyl level meltdowns uh, that were that we're seeing here that that could happen that you know if uh, if this track plays uh fair to closers be it you know on the turf or on the dirt and you know and i haven't seen odds yet but who knows you might have some uh, some pretty big prices or some excited uh some exciting finishes with uh horses uh picking people off at the wire yeah so why don't we take a look first at this uh race nine here um the grade three here comes the bride 
It's a mile 16th on the turf. Um, this was actually one of the ones that I think we both kind of agreed. Looks like there's a lot of speed signed up on paper here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one thing I like to do, especially with these, uh, these uh bris pps and the the kieran speed figures is all i'll add up the the number of, uh these points here that are greater than than five and then uh you know count the number of horses that have a uh, a one-dimensional running style like just an e or just a p or uh you know just an s with a score over over five and uh i use that to come up with a a uh pace pressure gauge uh you know before i do like a really like in-depth analysis and this one is uh running high running high on the old pace pressure gauge uh with uh so many you know high care and speed point uh horses entered and then the the briz brisnet speed figures really kind of tend to back that up um with uh you know a lot of horses that want to go fast early that are going to continue fast into that you know end of the turn um, and only a couple that are going to be uh, really moving fast late. Looking at this uh, stunning sky uh, was one that looked uh, looked pretty interesting to me. The Mike Maker horse that uh, broke his maiden second time out over a sloppy track here at uh, at, at Gulfstream, um, and then its next win was in a uh, an optional claimer, which you know more than likely was was a uh, just a prep for for this race uh you know might make her train paco lopez uh in the irons and uh it's a horse that's improved each time uh including over the sloppy track uh been working very well and uh could definitely be one to keep an eye on uh if, if things you know maybe if it doesn't go full on chernobyl maybe just like three mile island kind of meltdown um you know could be there could be there in the end and without seeing odds i'm gonna hope uh a little bit at a, at a price yeah one of the um one of the things that i especially t- tend to take a look at um with some of these more lightly raced horses uh sometimes the run styles and speed points they don't match up so i always try and go through and just you know really look okay this says it's an e8 is this really a need to lead type horse um and in this case i think that most of these uh most of these horses match up uh, pretty well um the one kind of exception i think um that i'm kind of interested in here is going to be the number one hay kitten it's a Rudy uh, Rudy Brissett horse here, ridden by uh, Flavian Pratt, who you know is deadly on the turf, um, and you know this horse, uh, you know, only broke its maiden last time out in a you know maiden claiming seventy five thousand, but I think looking at closing into a relatively slow pace that they had here in this race, um, I think that. Uh, this horse is definitely going to be, you know, making a nice move late, um, and is going to have more pace to run into, I think, than than uh, she even had there last time out. So, um, I really think that this horse is, is going to be at a decent price. I think, if I had to guess, Abscond is probably going to be the favorite. It might even be a, a really big favorite. Um, I'm always bad when it comes to trying to guess morning lines before they come out because. Like, I'm we're looking at Briz, and you know one of the things that you know Briz doesn't really do great is um, you know speed figures, um, which, like to me, uh, I've said before, I always just assume that buyer speed figures are baked into the price already. 
So in my mind, it's like, if I really want to know which horse had the best last out buyer, I probably just got to look and see who the favorite is, the betting favorite, because that's just pretty much how they get bet. Um, so I'm always looking for value elsewhere, um, usually in the form of pace. Um, but on Briz's, you know, prime power, which tends to also line up pretty well with um, morning line odds, uh, abscond is a pretty big standout, actually. I think it might have something like 10 points on the next, yeah, 10 points on the next closest horse. So, um, you know, the, the horse could just, I mean, I think Epscon ran in the juvenile turf last uh, last year. So that is correct. Uh, you know, you've got multiple Grade One experiences, uh, and you know, including the uh, Natalma at a uh, Woodbine over Yielding Track. Um, who is Jose Ortiz riding here? You know, I'm I'm looking through these PPs and I'm seeing uh, that. Heard... Oh, that's right. He hurt his wrist. Yeah. Or, uh, I don't know if he sprained it or broke it, but yeah, he's out. Well, cause, you know, it's it's funny kind of looking through these PPs and seeing, you're like, oh, yeah, I like that horse. Then you're like, oh, who was on him last time? Jose Ortiz. Well, what about this one? Jose Ortiz. Well, that one? Uh, also Ho Jose Ortiz. So it's uh, him not being there because of his uh, his his poor little wrist. Um and then uh, makes it, I makes read it being in Saudi, right? Right. It's uh, you know, you. I think that that kind of opens it up for a, you know, to be a, a Paco Lopez kind of day, a uh, a uh, um, Tyler Gaffleone kind of day. So you know, if if you're big into playing jockey games, um. Hell, Johnny Johnny Velasquez, he's in this one too. Um, you can kind of uh, you can kind of try to decipher, maybe see, you know, figure out the tea leaves by by who's riding who here. I really I do quite a bit like uh, the horse that I brought up initially, um, Stunning Sky, um, just because it, this, you know, as Josh mentioned, as I affirmed, there's. There's a whole lot of pace here, um, and I'm looking at Stunning Sky, and I'm seeing that, you know, that's a horse that, in his two wins, has been, all, you know, probably averages about five lengths uh, behind at the first call. Uh, and with a lot of horses that want to go fast, he's he's going to get the the pace to run into. So this will be an interesting one to watch. And you know, I always feel like you kind of get these prices on on these deeper closers, and especially with ones that are are just coming out of you know coming out of the maiden ranks. Um, might be might be interesting. Might be a hell of a way to kick off a, a pick six and all stakes pick six. Yeah, and then uh, actually, since you did mention uh, you mentioned our boy Johnny V a little bit, um, who at least in my mind uh, is probably the most consistent rider, like big name rider out there. Um, I can't really think of uh, many rides where I'm like, wow, like Johnny V just totally blew that. Um, you know, he's not like a, he's not like a Rosario or Ortiz brother who sometimes, uh, either gets overconfident or just, I mean, I mean, just makes the wrong move, um, you know, with their, uh, either from being too aggressive or not being aggressive enough, you know, Johnny V seems to be a little bit more of a consistent guy. And um, probably one of the, the more patient jocks that you'll ever see, you know, he'll, be content to get that rail trip and he will just be absolutely, you know, 
statue still until it's time to get the horse into a drive and make a make a close. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why why you know Chad Brown will will fly him around places to uh, to ride his turf horses. Like whenever uh, Chad uh, flies a horse out to Santa Anita, um, I did. You were at Arlington a million day. Did did he, Johnny V was on a couple of uh, Chad's horses in Chicago that day? Correct. Yeah, well, I think he was on uh, what was the the rabbit's name? Face. I think yes. He was on Thace. Yeah. Yep. Since we're talking about Johnny V, uh, I actually really do like um, Lucky Polly here as well. Um, at first glance, the numbers don't look all that great um, until you look at their last race, um, and she had a heck of a pace set up um, and, you know, closed in nicely, um, passing over four horses, you know, winning pretty, pretty easily, you know, winning by two lengths in a, in a turf. So that's a, you know, it's a pretty sizable, sizable win. Um, and at this distance, so you got a horse that's run at the track, one at the track, one at the distance. Um, you're getting a very consistent rider board. You know, Cassie obviously does well. Uh, third off the layoff and uh you know he he does pretty well uh even with his maiden winner so um i think this might set up pretty well um uh, obviously for an off the pace horse uh so my picks here are probably going to be the one and the ten so that's uh lucky polly and hey kitten um we'll we'll take a look a little bit closer obviously you know scratches and, and all that will change it but at least for me, I'm going to take a look that way. I do also like your horse, Stunning Sky, um, as uh, the lone S horse in here coming off the pace. Um, but one of my favorite angles, the lone S. Yeah, the lone S, the 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 not as heavily played uh, as the lone E horse, but uh, yeah, I, I think the Stunning Sky will probably get a pretty good trip. Um, which is the which is really the big key about the lone s. Normally, the the lone s horse is the one who's going to get the the best trip. Yeah, and it's you know it, it becomes a matter of can you make your move? Uh, you know, are you going to try to make your move and you're going to run into a wall? You know, is your is your hole going to be there? Or are you going to have to go ten wide into the stretch to to try to make that move? But you know, it kind of gives you a little bit more time to react i i think whenever you're you know everyone else is so far out ahead um you know i i'm gonna stick with this uh uh with this uh mike maker horse stunning sky as as the one that uh and full-on disclaimer here i am not a huge golf stream fan and not the greatest at golf stream um however uh I, I really, you know, if I were a betting man, and I am, uh, I would more than likely put a little something down uh, on a Stunning Sky to, uh, you know, across the board win play show to hit. Um, you know, it might be a great horse to uh, to part wheel in, depending on the price, uh, if you're looking at your uh, trifectas and uh, exactas. All right, let's move on to the uh, Devona Dale here, the grade two one mile for three-year-old fillies. Um, first look for me, this looks like a two horse race between, uh, toneless shape and spice is nice. Um, toneless shape, uh, is one four straight here, uh, including the grade three forward gal, but 
I'll tell you, man, that spice is nice as last race. He's got a very, very uh, impressive speed figure first time out. Um, and I'm always a big proponent of uh, horses that break their maiden first time out, or at least have a really good effort first time out. Um, usually they improve off that, that effort second time out. It, it, it remains to be seen how they do third and fourth and like how much they develop. But usually, in my mind, I think that there's a pretty big consistency between first and second time out, and there being some kind of improvement there um, off a of good effort. Um, it's also a Pletcher horse. Um, we'll we'll take a look, see what those works look like a little bit closer. But if this is a Pletcher horse that's working well, um, probably will be second choice because it's hard to look past toneless shape winning four in a row here at. Uh, Gulfstream and Gulfstream West, but uh, and you know Safi Joseph is. I don't think he's the leading trainer at Gulfstream right now. No, I think Todd might be, um, but he's got he's got some he's got some numbers down there at Gulfstream. Yeah, he's by far the leading trainer with a man bun at at Gulfstream Park. Best man bun. Best best man bun. A little bit of curl to it, a little wave. It really takes that man bun to the next level. Um, one that, that I think might be worth a look and, uh, this one, I, I probably wouldn't touch unless I got, you know, double digit boxcar odds on it is, uh, Emily's Oasis. Um, kind of looking back through, through the PP, you see, you know, took a while to break its maiden, then ran third uh, with, you know, next out uh, at Churchill Downs over a sloppy sealed track, which, you know, looking at how uh, how she won previously, uh, not really conducive, uh, the sloppy sealed track uh, to to that running style. So I, I think that that win on October uh, 27th when she broke her maiden in a ninety five thousand uh, dollar maiden special special weight might be uh, uh sorry that one was over the fast track uh, her race back afterwards was on the sloppy track um where uh, she finished third um looking and that's kind of uh looking at the bris pps there are some there's some incomplete data here because uh I, I believe a few of these are trying the distance for the first time uh, and so you don't really have the the pace figure that you uh uh, for their uh, their early speed, but uh, you know, looking at that, it makes it kind of look like Emily's Oasis could be the early speed here. Um, so you know, might be might be a shot. It also could be just one hundred percent cheap speed or one hundred percent faux early speed. A horse that looks like it should be on the lead early um, doesn't really doesn't really do it uh, just based on the the Briz pace figures. Um, also, you also you know have to kind of knock that opinion down a little bit when you see that uh, Chris Landeros is uh, what oh for eighty seven <laughs> at um, Gulfstream, which also could mean he's due. But you also got Ian Wilkes, uh, you know, hitting at a respectable eleven percent. Um, you know, the speed figures are kind of there. Was really you know kind of trending up, bounced around, been everywhere. Um, but I, I got to say that Josh is more than likely right that, you know, uh, it's going to be between the man bun and, and uh, Todd Pletcher's horse. But, you know, a, a nice horse to wheel in, 
uh, use or maybe even just take a flyer of a win bet on. You know, I could see maybe trying that with Emily's Oasis. Yeah, if there was a, if there was a little bit more speed signed up here, I think I might be interested in somebody like um, like Baroness uh, coming from off the pace. Um, but this seems to be a pretty pretty normal pace scenario. I don't see anything really you know kind of sticking out to me as the father of a three-year-old filly i've learned not to try to predict what three-year-old fillies do you know they're kind of they'll throw you for a loop sometimes so i mean looks pretty cut and dry between between the two but something something crazy could happen these are three-year-old fillies yeah and the tough thing about these three-year-old races um so early in the season is just a lot of times you get that mix of uh, horses that have like eight starts and then you got the horse that's, that's ran once, but ran off the board, like ran off the screen and you're like, uh, crap. <laughs> yeah. And then might just never do it again, ever. Uh, hidden scroll. <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's keep going through these. Um, Next race up here, race 11, mile on the turf. The Canadian, is it the Canadian turf? Yeah. Canadian the weirdly turf. named Canadian turf. Dude, can I just say, I saw Can T and I was like, oh, the Canadian tire. Like, I don't know why Can T, the first thing pops my eyes, Canadian tire. But um, yeah, the Canadian turf, grade three here, um, four year olds and up. So this is for older horses, mile on the turf. Looks like we have 14 horses signed up for this. Uh, two AEs, obviously. Um, interesting to note, the two AEs have a ton of speed. So <laughs> it's going to be real interesting to see if either of those uh, AEs um, draw in. I mean, if you like E's and big uh, big Kieran, uh, Kieran speed points, uh, this is your race because we got E8, E7, EP8, E8. E8, like, so I think two, like I said, two of those are the um, AEs. Um, it remains to be seen what this is going to look like, but we'll assume the two AEs, Joyful Heart and Thunder Ride, uh, do not draw in. So it looks like we got a couple of uh, big names here, like Hembry and Caribou Club. What do you think here? Doing my, my quick scroll through, uh, some, uh, Sambie, I believe is how you say it. That could be one worth a look, and I'm basing that off of she's got about a 20, you know, well, maybe not because Gidu is uh, is in it also. Uh, but that that E1 pace figure is huge compared to the majority of the field. Uh, looking at a 101 with uh, Gidu being the uh, the second highest at, a, at 98 uh, and then kind of continues it to the to the E2 speed figure at a 109, so can sustain it. Uh, and it's that you know might be a question of if that horse can get out near the lead and really kind of press him and make that that middle move. That's that's a pretty interesting one. Um, this also looks like a potential you know meltdown too, um, which I, I'm far more likely to see meltdowns in turf races because that's just kind of how turf races are run i mean I, I feel like you except for maybe during the summer months uh and i mean some 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 credence has to be given to the fact that we are in 
uh, it's going to be in Miami, which is, you know, a little bit, you know, a little bit hotter. So the gr ground might be a little bit harder, but, you know, outside of like Saratoga and a few of the other, you know, uh, tracks that run during the summer where, uh, you know, when the ground gets firm and speed can just kind of fly, um, the, that's the time where I'll really look into early speed and turf races, but you know, it's just, it, turf just kind of lend, lends itself to the horse that can, that can quicken, that can sit off the pace and then, and then kind of fire. So, you know, there are some interesting ones in there with, uh, caribou club, um, also Hembry, of course, um, flying Scotsman. I see a big late speed figure out of, out of flying Scotsman. Um, but uh, yeah, if if I were going to look towards earlier speed, I, m I might give a look to a Sambie. Look at all I can tell you is that you don't have to force me to talk about Pergolage, all right? Because I don't <laughs> talk about Pergolage all day, and the two Caribou Club uh, is uh, getting a jockey upgrade, going from uh, Jose Ortiz, the Lord of the Turf, Fergal Lynch. Uh, I mean, not really, but uh, but Fergal Lynch has rode uh, <laughs> this horse uh, was it looks like three times, um, and has finished first twice and second once um, by a neck. Yep, and I mean, this horse's best races have come a mile on the turf. So, uh, tried the mile on the sixteenth at Tampa uh, back in uh, early February. Didn't work out. Um, you know, didn't really run much of a lick um so coming back to the mile i think uh caribou club is going to feel a little bit more at home um gets fergal lynch aboard again who you know knows the horse so um gonna be interested to see how uh how caribou club runs especially like i said if this plays out with as much speed as looks to be signed up um other horse that does interest me is the one horse, Hey Dakota. Uh, it's a Jason Service horse. Now, we saw this earlier, which is something that um, I, I I noticed. You know, we all know that jocks have certain preferred running or running styles. They like to ride their horses certain ways. Um, when I see Paco Lopez aboard a horse, I assume he's going to be Get out, he's gonna try and get out the gate clean and he's gonna be aggressive. Um, and when I see that there's a race with a possible meltdown and he's not on a speed horse, um, I tend to kind of get a little bit worried. Um, and looking at his stats, I mean, he's 26% on P types and 25% on the turf, so. Maybe that's unwarranted. Maybe I maybe I've misjudged Paco Lopez. We'll see what kind of price we get here on the one. Hey Dakota, um, this is going to be another one coming from off the pace. Uh, last race was at seven and a half furlongs. Is going to be going a little bit longer, but the speed figure or the pace figures are very respectable for uh, for this horse. So um, the two inside horses are probably upon first look the ones I'm going to be most excited to hopefully get a price on and bet. Um, but, uh, you know, a couple of these other horses like English B um, and even uh, Louder Than Bombs, you know, their late speed, you know, gets me a little bit interested. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just think that Caribou Club is probably going to be the my top pick here. Um, 
is rated second on the prime power, so it's probably going to take some money. Um, I think uh, a horse like Hembry um, is probably going to take the most money. You know, has ridden in, I guess, classier races. Um, you know, Four Star Day, Forbidden Apple, um, did the Tampa Bay uh, race on the on the eighth here as well. Um, but yeah, Sombaye as well. You know, the Hall of Fame and the Quick Call last year um, is ran in a couple of grade ones as a three year old. So yeah, I I think I think this race is going to be pretty wide open. But I think there's so much speed signed up here. Um, that I'm going to definitely look uh, for something coming off the pace. If you don't mind, I'd like to delve briefly into why I love Fergal Lynch so very much. Um, I really had no idea who Ver- Fergal Lynch was. Uh, and I was looking at a race, I want to say maybe at like Tampa Bay or something like that. It could have even been Kentucky Downs a couple of years ago. And uh, I was like, you know, I'm looking for a horse with a good turf jock. Fergal Lynch sounds Irish. They ride on the turf a lot over there without even knowing if he was, in fact, Irish or if he was just an American named Fergal. And uh, I managed to uh, to hit on him and then kind of kept track of him and, you know, realized he was a very legit, uh, you know, turf rider. And it's uh, it's it, that's a jockey that Josh and I have, have hit on. Uh, a couple times, especially at Kentucky Downs, um, we like, I, I call it the Fergal Burgle when we when you can kind of uh, steal some money out of the wind pool with the uh, with the old Ferg Fergmeister. Well, the funny um, thing about that is, wasn't he like busted for cheating or something in, in Europe? Yes, I, I believe so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, once again, even even before I knew it fit. Um, yeah, I I think you're I. I would have to 100% agree with you once again that you've got another field loaded with a ton of speed. Uh, I might lean more Hembry, honestly, uh, than um, Caribou Club, despite my my undying uh, love of, of Fergal Lynch. And that really just kind of has to do with... Uh, kind of that slow build running style to where, you know, they're moving faster at each, each individual um, pace, you know, uh, figure position where it's just builds and builds and builds and where they're doing their, their absolute fastest running uh, at the end, as opposed to some that kind of make that kind of make that middle move. And they, they slack off a little bit down or they, they don't, they aren't moving quite as fast down the stretch. don't have the same velocity. So I, I might be more apt to, to lean towards Hembry. However, I do really like caribou club. Uh, and uh, you know, if, if I were to put together an exotic play, right here more than like or sorry uh, you know just a vertical play with the trifecta i'd probably you key use zombie on top as an overlay and then more than likely caribou club along with them and then maybe even key in um uh, or bring in uh um hembry into second so going uh caribou club zombie and then with caribou Caribou Club with Sambier with uh, with Hembry, and then throw all sorts of just closers underneath horses that just might dink in uh, to third, pass a bunch of tiring horses with you know as much pace as that that is entered, uh, and might get there at a big price. You know, where you know even if you have a huge you know a somewhat predictable finish uh, in first that you can get just maybe like a fifty to one sneak up and take uh, take third and really kind of put a little juice on the trifecta. Yeah, what do you think of uh, what do you think of this number three Krampus? Have you uh, 
Krampus. Um, that's a horse I've seen around quite a bit, but I just I don't remember a whole lot about Krampus. Uh, you got Julian Leperu who's been kind of knocking around, ran in a bunch of different a uh, bunch of a uh, graded races uh, last year. It looks like um, actually won this race last year. I see. Um, but it looks like just claimed out of a, out of an optional claimer was just racing from a tag and Hatfield stables, uh, picked them up. Um, and you get Michael Tomlinson instead of the, uh, the, uh, you know, the trainer that, that was with him when he won a graded stakes and, and Bill Mott, I feel like that's a pass honestly. And I could, uh, be 100% wrong, but the fact that he was, in something that you know most trainers kind of use as a uh, a prep for stakes races you know putting it putting him into these optional claiming races to uh to get the work in and then you know not put them in for a tag he was in for the tag uh last out at at Gulfstream so i i'm going to say uh that's a big no for me to Krampus yeah i i think i'm i'm going to stick with the uh the one and the two here uh hey dakota and caribou club is my top picks i don't like if i'm going to be playing something uh horizontally and there's let's say like three or four horses who i think that can win and they're the three or four shortest prices i always have to just i always look at it and i'm like i gotta toss one of these horses out um because otherwise i mean if you if you just end up playing um you know the, the three shortest prices on the board. Every every time you're you're gonna you're gonna be in for a bad time. Um, so just looking here, um, the horse I'm probably I'm gonna fade here is gonna be Hembry, um, and uh, I I just hope that uh, Maker Gaffleyone don't make me look like an ass. I I do love Maker and Gaffleyone uh, at Kentucky Downs and uh, in Kentucky, but uh, Gulfstream they they aren't exactly uh, aren't exactly lighting things up. You know they're only hitting thirteen percent right now the last two months. So I'm gonna stick with uh, with Paco and uh, Paco and my boy Fergal here and hope to be able to fade at least one of these uh, shorter prices if I'm gonna go horizontal. Let's uh, let's move on to this next race, uh, the Gulfstream Park Mile. Um, this race came up pretty salty. I am actually like pretty excited to see this race. I mean, there's some really good names, some good horses in here, obviously led by everybody's favorite meme, uh, Bodie Express, um, <laughs> at, uh, in the one hole. Um, but once again, I mean, the same thing that we've seen in three or four of these races, I mean, I just see so much speed here, um, that I I gotta look off the pace again, and there are and unlike some of these other races, I mean the last race, the class of the field is off is gonna be coming off the pace. So when I see that, I'm especially more inclined um, to want to bet those horses. Obviously, when we're handicapping, you know, there's speed, pace, uh, class, form. I forgot what the other. I think those are all the tenants, but there's probably something I'm missing. Um, but um, you know, me for, first and foremost, I, I look at um, pace first and foremost, and kind of when you start seeing other things match up with a pace dynamic, it only enhances like my opinion. Um, so in that case, um, in the last race and this race, um, 
I think the best horses are the ones that are going to be coming off the pace. I mean, Mr. Freeze and Bodie Express, they're both nice horses. Um, but, I mean, Fat Man ran a really good race last time out. Uh, I was on Fat Man. Uh, what was the – it was one of those big race days. What race day was it? Um, oh, it was um, Pegasus Day. He yep. won the, the Fred Hooper. Um, and exactly what happened that I thought was going to happen, fast pace up front, and Fat Man just go ahead and made that last move, you know, pass everybody up off the pace. Um, I think this is going to set up for him again. Um, another uh, another horse in here who we haven't seen in a while, uh, High Call, another one coming off the pace. Um, both of those horses interest me a heck of a lot more than uh, hoping that either Mr. Freeze, um, Mr. Freeze or uh, Bodie Express uh, win a pace duel um, with like, well, that's actually more than a pace duel because I probably see Zenden and uh, Rear Form probably getting involved there early as well. Um, and then we got our boy Hog Creek Hustle coming back too. Um, I, right, you know, you're, you, I think you kind of pegged it when you said, uh, when you brought up Rare Form and Zenden, like that is 100% a, a link up and go suicidal situation. And they just might bring Bodie Express and Mr. Freeze with them. And, and because of this, I love me some Hog Creek, Hog Creek Hustle in this part, uh, this spot. Um, it's a horse that just ran, you know will show up all the time to just absolutely blow up races. Uh, and this, this one feels just tailor made, uh, tailor made for him, um, has been running against some really tough horses. I mean, when you go back to before, uh, the last race at, uh, at, at fairgrounds, you're running in the breeders cup sprint against Batoli chance a lot Whitmore. You're in the Phoenix against engage Whitmore Lexitonian. You're in the H Allen, Allen Jerkins, uh, against chance a lot. Uh, and was it mind control? I believe who won that race. Uh, the wit Stevens wasn't really that strong, but, uh, one, tr the one try that has had in a mile was in the pat, uh, in the pat day and, you know, finished a respectable second came back and won the wit Steven, uh, uh, wit Stevens at, you know, at seven furlong, uh, this might be just a great race for hog Creek hustle. I think, uh, the real, a real journeyman of a horse, um, who, you know, the one thing that surprises me is with that agonizingly long stretch at fairgrounds that, uh, hog Creek hustle had won more races there. Uh, but you know, uh, yeah, I love hog Creek here. I honestly, I think that, um, if you look back at the form, um, and look at Hog Creek Hustle's races at seven furlongs and a mile. I think that's where you really get you really get his best form. I think six furlongs is probably just too short for him. Too short, and yeah. So, and even you know, we we've talked about fairgrounds and their long stretch, but sometimes I think even with their long stretch, that uh, sometimes that that track can get um, somewhat speed favoring. So. Um, I don't think that it really sets up all that well for uh, for Hog Creek Hustle, but um, yeah, I really just think that this horse is this horse is probably a seven furlong horse, um, but I have more faith in a seven furlong horse getting a mile than I do in a seven furlong horse winning at six furlongs, because um, I think it usually a speed horse isn't fast enough at six furlongs, 
and doesn't have enough time to close if it's an off the pace horse at um, at six. So I think that I think that the mile doesn't hurt him here, um, and he's going to be on the outside. He's going to get. He's going to avoid all that that nonsense that's going to be going up front with these four horses going to the lead. Um, I can't say the same for High Column Fat Man. If either of them try to break, um, you know, try to break and even maybe sit like fourth or fifth, um, they might run into some traffic trouble. They might, you know, get bumped a couple times. Um, whereas I think uh, Hawk Creek Hustle is probably going to get the best trip out of these horses. You know, sometimes when I think about how the pace sets up, especially from the break, with the different running styles and everything uh, in my mind, I almost kind of think about it like a, like a quarterback reading a defense in terms of, okay, I see a linebacker that's lined up here most likely blitzing. I want to call an audible and, you know, have my wide receiver running a slant through that, that position on the field that's been vacated. And that's often what I think about is you have all these horses that are going to be going so hard out for the lead that, it's just going to be a, a smooth little move over to the uh, over to the rail for uh, for Hog Creek Hustle, who be able to really just kind of tuck in nicely behind all that early speed uh, and kind of be able to to run his own race. Won't be hung wide uh, because he won't be wanting to go with the early speed. But yeah, you know, for for people who are who are starting to handicap pace and handicap track bias, you know, we, we think about how heavily uh, track by, you know, the rail plays at a track bias, you know, if you can start thinking about where a horse will end up in reference to the positions that have been vacated by other horses that want to go by, by, uh, you know, different speeds that can be super helpful. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be going here with uh, high call fat man and uh, hot Creek hustle. I'm all in, all in on hog Creek hustle. The only other horse in here that I looked at briefly was do share, but I swear the effing God, I bet this horse all the time. <laughs> and it just, like, it just never, never even like looks remotely interested. And then, you know, all of a sudden it shows up somewhere at a short price and I try to beat him and yeah. Yeah. But, uh, that's, that's, that's like me and combatant. Oh, combatant. Oh, God damn you. Oh, no, we got two more races here. We got the, oh goodness, the Mac Diarrhea. The Mac Diarrhea. Sure. Mac Diarrhea. No, not Diarrhea. Diarrhea. <laughs> The Mac Diarmida, yeah. the G2M Diarmed. You you made it quite obvious what the other kids in grade school probably called poor Mac when he was a child. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be going a mile and three-eighths here, so just short of a, a mile and a half. Um, and this is for four-year-olds and up. I want no part of this race. I I just I look at this race. I see the names. I'm looking at the Briz speed figures, and I'm seeing the the highest E ones that are uh, on you know S S running style horses. Saddler's Joy, uh, Nessie, you know horses that uh, supposedly are more closing types and are head and shoulders above with E one you know E one E two pace figures. I hate races like this. Yeah. So. My top pick here, 
I can't believe I'm going back to this well. Like, I I have to be an idiot. But like one of these times, I'm gonna be on this horse and he's gonna win. Because when I'm not on him, he wins. He, but when I am on him, he loses. But this time, this is gonna be it. And Sadler's joy is finally oh. that I bet him. No, no, God, I just I I don't. I don't want you to do it, but I want to see your reaction after you do it. Um, Caleb, Caleb right now is probably, first of all, uh, when I saw the PPs come out, the first thing I did was take a screenshot of, uh, of uh, Zulu, Zulu Alpha's uh, PPs and send it to him. And I believe, I forgot what his response was, but I think he asked, why are you the way, oh, why are you this way? Was his, uh, <laughs> Did something happen to you as a child? <laughs> So, the, my this is probably a simplistic way to look at this, um, but I think Sadler's joy, his best races, um, are better than anybody else in this race, um, and his best races come at three turns on turf, and he's finally he's coming back to three turns. Um, I think this is going to set up for him. Um, you know, Zulu Alpha. Uh, had a dream trip last time, saved all the ground, and then um, Ryan Moore um, decided to uh, just open up the gates on the rail and just let him just absolutely embarrass all of us, um, mostly Caleb. But, uh, yeah, I just I just think that um, with enough time and those three turns, I think this is going to set up nicely for Sadler's Joy. Um, he's the only one of the horses in this group that I have any kind of faith in, <laughs> which is probably real bad to say. Um, I, I still think that like, I mean, if you really want to look at it pace wise, the, cause like the other horse I like in here that kind of makes sense to me is just another one of those horses that I can't ever bet. And that's channel maker. And it's just like, you know, if I'm going to be stuck between a rock and a hard place, uh, between Sadler's Joy and Channel Maker, I think I take Sadler's Joy. Um, a Thread of Blue kind of interests me a little bit as, uh, as more of an early pace type horse. Um, but even at Gulfstream, which is notoriously speed favoring, uh, the e-horses haven't exactly, you know, done all that great on the turf. Um, they're wiring about 15%. Uh, but on, on these are, this is on turf routes, which I always forget where they cut that off. I mean, if they cut it off at a mile, I mean, that's not really a route uh, when it comes to turf. Um, so with such a low wire percentage, um, I just, I don't know. I, I think that uh, I don't think speed necessarily, even though there's not a ton of it signed up. I mean, you got, like I said, a thread of blue and channel maker. Um I just think that uh, that Sadler's Joy is gonna gonna finally pull one out for me, you know. I'm kind of interested in Marzo in this one, um, and that is a horse that I, especially last year at Oakland, whenever you know Brad Cox was still really trying Marzo on the uh, on the turf or sorry on the dirt, you know that that was one that was a horse that I absolutely hated because Marzo always always looked like the best horse, always looked like the best horse, and then 
just completely would look terrible. Um, switched him over to the turf and really hit his stride. Um, I kind of like seeing that, you know, his, you know, he's pretty consistently raced, um, you know, all through, you know, the, the uh, fall into the end of the winter where, you know, he's been running about once a month. Um, and I think that, you know, after just a gigantic effort in the Sycamore, um, which was a great race, hit it fantastic odds and worth noting one on the turf with Ricardo Santana Jr. in the irons uh, in that race. Um, hey, that That's I, I feel like Marzo, you know, might be a really good kind of under the radar horse, especially shipping out of uh, out of uh, Houston, uh, Sam Houston, which, you know, there there I could think of a few horses like uh, B Jersey. Um, it was one that was running at Sam Houston that I really didn't give a second thought to just because I was being a, a shipper snob and, um, you know, B, you know, B Jersey turned out to be really good. Um, so I, I think you get a price on Marzo, uh, a little bit, you know, a little bit skittish by the fact that he seems to run his best on good turf, which I, I think they're supposed to be getting some rain, uh, down there. So I, seriously doubt that it's a good turf whenever a Saturday rolls around. But, uh, you know, Marzo is a horse that I would look at because I just get tired of watching, you know, all these horses like Sadler's joy, Zulu alpha channel maker run against each other constantly, and then just kind of take turns beating each other. Um, so maybe, maybe a fresh face, you know, in comparison, like, uh, like Marzo can get in there. And, and steal this one uh has a uh ep running style which you know when you have races that are chock full of one-dimensional runners and when i say one-dimensional runners i mean you have your your e's your p's your s's like that's what they do they they can't they don't get up and and press a little bit uh and win um with their closers they don't you know run from a little bit further back you know if they're if they're early speed and so you know channel maker who i hate and marso are my are my only two options there so i'm i'm a little bit more inclined to go to go marzo um i i think you're going to get a, a really stupid pace um in terms of ridiculously soft fractions and if that's the case i i like marzo to be pretty forwardly placed you know, pretty well near the lead and, uh, you know, a horse that that's shown the ability to go, you know, go and get a win at, at some, at some distance, which man, I'm just apparently a Michael maker, uh, fanboy today, but, uh, yeah, Marzo, why, why not? <laughs> so on the side over here in, uh, in discord, um, I was teasing Caleb <laughs> and he goes, who is Morocco? the the one horse here <laughs> and then he goes doesn't matter he's my pick because he just hates all the horses in this race um oddly enough morocco also trained by your boy mike maker so uh yeah also yeah why not Zulu alpha trained by your boy mike maker <laughs> this is so it's just marzo's turn well you know maybe you take that as a good sign that the fact that he trains all these other horses and he's still willing to put marzo uh into this and not only i you know, i would like to point out marzo also runs for three diamonds farm which is you know one of the best you know uh 
best ownership, you know, one of the bet one of the better owner combinations for Mike Maker. Mike Maker always seems to to have really live horses when it comes to running for Sarah and Ken Ramsey and Three Diamonds Farm. So, you know, it, maybe maybe he's putting the the Three Diamonds horse in a uh, in a really good position. Who knows? Yeah, I'm going back to the Channel Maker and uh, Sadler's Joy well, and I don't have Caleb here to talk me off of it. <laughs> well, that's the that's the upside of him moving is is uh, we don't we don't get his sourpuss ideas uh, on our horses. How long do you think we would have spent on Zulu Alpha if uh, if Caleb was here? It it would have been it literally would have been like watching like an episode of of Mori or something where you have like a deadbeat father that's being confronted and they just spend thirty minutes like just bagging on this deadbeat father. Well, the deadbeat father is Zulu Alpha. <laughs> I was thinking more like um, that scene from Billy Madison at the end where Billy, you know, is talking about the industrial revolution. Uh, he's given that long speech, that incoherent thing. Um, that would have just I would Caleb. no points. Yep, that would have been Caleb, just like every single reason why that horse shouldn't have won. <laughs> Nothing you said came remotely close to posing a coherent thought. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. And that's a good segue into our last race of the night, which is race 14, the Fountain of Youth. So we got another derby prep race here. Um, I will have a more in-depth write-up um, as we get a little bit closer. Probably on Friday, I will put something up, um, and I'm sure my... Um, my opinions will probably change as I as we take a closer look at this. Like I said, this is just kind of our quick first pass at most of this card. Um, but uh, you know what? What's nice is unlike some of these other derby preps that we saw last year, um, we have a fair bit of speed here. But I think there's also a good chance that maybe this doesn't melt down. Um, I know we were talking a little bit about uh, about uh, your horse, the Falcon, uh, as that lone S angle again. Um, I don't see it since that horse is um, just class-wise and uh, speed-wise just not close to the rest of this field. Um, but the rest of this field seems actually pretty evenly matched. Um, obviously, the big horse in here that people are... are probably interested in seeing is going to be Dennis's moment, his uh, first race this year. Um, I believe the last race was his stumble out the gate at, uh, at Santa Anita, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe you're right. You know, I'm, I'm looking at this and there's one thing that kind of stands out and it always seems to kind of be the case whenever you get into uh, Kentucky Derby uh, prep season, as well as the Kentucky Derby itself is I feel like you want a horse that's got not as much tactical speed, but just a high cruising speed that still has the ability to uh, to really kind of kick it in. And, and, you know, oftentimes I feel like it turns into a race between those horses, the horses that can cruise at a high rate of speed. And, uh, you know, it, it turns into a match race or a three horse race, you know, down to the wire. Um, with those ones that will be, you know, moving fast early can sustain it. Uh, and so I, you know, if I'm going to look at this, uh, I'm going to take a look at uh, 
at Indian as seen on TV and chance it because those seem to be the high cruising, the high cruising speed horses, the horses that have a late speed speed figure that's still higher than most of the field. So I, I can kind of see it as being like a three way type race where, you know, they all are running on very near the pace and they hit the stretch and it's just, it's game on at that point because the other horses won't be able to keep up and, uh, probably won't be able to close with uh, the kind of late speed fractions that they put up. Yeah. And I think we talked uh, off air a little bit about um, as seen on TV, um, just upon first look at this, um, uh, that was kind of the horse that jumped out at me. Um, and it was kind of funny cause I didn't really, um, I'd never, I hadn't really heard the, the horse. Um, I don't really follow, you know, Monmouth or I followed Gulfstream a little bit, but, not uh I, you know i don't play it every day or anything like that so um yeah that was just a horse that i had never i had never seen before but looking at his pace figures looking at his uh, speed figures i mean he kind of jumps off the jumps off the page a little bit in this race um now dennis's moment looks great if you throw out his last race and his first race um you know and the horse has just looked good uh, from what I've seen, I know there was that talk about his like latest work, or maybe it was the work a couple weeks ago, which was not um, was not the best looking. Um, you know, I, I'm not uh, I'm not one of those people that goes back and watches works or even replays for that matter, um, which is probably something I should do do a little bit more of. But um, you know, he. Uh, well, it's it remains to be seen if he's going to be rounding in the form or if he's going to need a race. Um, you know, I know Roman said that uh, this is the best horse he's ever had. Um, and if there's one thing, well, there's two things I know about Dale Romans from that Netflix special. Is one, he really, really, really wants to win the Derby, and two, that man loves cracklings. So um we'll see uh we'll see if this really is the uh this really is his uh his derby horse and, and see if he can get there get there with this one um but yeah i the, the the horse that really jumped out to me was the six as seen on tv chance it obviously is very interesting um did get that 12 post which might pose a problem um we'll see if any other horses scratch if he gets a little bit further inside um but uh horse looks good i mean a horse has won four times at gulfstream already it's uh um you know in his real real short career so um should be an interesting horse um and see if he's got a little bit of uh a little bit of home field advantage over like a, a dennis's moment here you know and it's it's really easy to to get sucked into looking at closers in races like this such as you know uh macabum the falcon um but if you sit back and think about it you know i know actually the fountain of youth last year you had a really deep close uh for a win um but tracks tend to play more favorable to to early speed horses um in these types of races and i mean the the closers have to have a little bit of talent otherwise they wouldn't be here but i'm i'm more likely to 
to you know especially in a kentucky derby prep i'm, I'm gonna look for a horse that that has that high cruising speed that runs the same kind of style as like a omaha beach as a justify as a maximum security um where it's uh you know sustain it and then just uh leave everybody in the dust so uh, as seen on tv looks very promising um chance it and at indian look look promising also Shotsky um feels like a big fade uh you know i i'm not sure how much uh aqueduct form translates and you know the last race wasn't really great ski uh and the withers didn't run bad um just uh you know you, you kind of expected him to you know not lose to max player not you know be in the mix with portos um yeah i as seen on tv is more than likely where where i would like to go for a win bet however Underneath, I have absolutely no qualms using a horse like uh, Macabum or the or the Falcon underneath. Um, that I, I feel like those are great plays plays for uh, for vertical betting. So real quick, I don't know if your mic cut out, but did you say that Shotsky's last race wasn't great ski? It wasn't great ski. Yeah, because that's what I heard, and I was like, that's hilarious, but. I didn't know that was just your mic cutting out. Um, you know what? Because you're so impressed with it, yes, it was just my mic cutting out. Well, the the funny thing is, I like these early aqueduct races. I, their form usually doesn't tend to hold. Um, but uh, so I'm I'm not super uh, super excited to try to try to bet Shotsky here next out. Um. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna stick with uh, with Chancet and um, SC on TV. I'm gonna let Dennis's moment beat me, especially if he's at a short price. Uh, I'll let Shotsky beat me because I hate Naira. Um, you know, and th- this is with Dennis's moment. If, if Dennis's moment doesn't win here, you're gonna have the chance to bet that horse again on another Kentucky Derby prep race, especially if you if Dennis's moment runs a, a respectable race, then that's a horse that might pop up at the rebel might pop up, uh, maybe in the, uh, in the bluegrass at, uh, at Keeneland, uh, you know, a, a few of these other, um, later in the year, uh, type, uh, derby preps. Like I, I think it might be a, a smart move by Dale Romans, even if he doesn't think that Dennis's moment is exactly live and really, ready to to fire here um to put you know get his legs back under him in in a pretty pretty stout field um so it it, it might not be dennis's moment you like that one was that as good as great ski, even though i didn't actually that say great so one thing i did notice while we we're going through this card you notice all these big turf races where we didn't mention uh chad brown's name at all doesn't that doesn't that scare you a little bit well here's the thing is i looked he doesn't have any horses entered in any of those races he's only he's got one in the fountain of in the fountain of youth though doesn't he yeah he's got one in the fountain of youth that's what made me think of it because i'm like oh like we didn't talk about chad brown at all like we're like which chad horse is gonna fuck us here and i'm looking and he's only got a horse in two, eight, and fourteen. So he's got one here in the final of the youth. Um, country grammar. Is, uh, country grammar. 
shout out, uh, shout out, is it Nelly? Hey, I'm going down, down, baby. Yo, street in a street, whatever. I don't remember. It was, it was like, uh, here great. comes a copyright strike. Uh, I, if I fuck up the words, does that count? <laughs> shimmy, shimmy, coca, what? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't see it with country grammar, but, uh, there's one thing that, uh, I am prone to do it is to uh cover my ass when it comes to uh chad brown horses and urban stakes races i feel like i feel like chad brown you know he's made his name as the as the premier north american turf trainer um you know one of the best in the world hands down but i really think he wants a kentucky derby so who knows maybe country grammar is loaded and uh you know I, I save myself with a with a country grammar C pick if I were to play this horizontally. With the rest of the team out, I figured now would be a good time to talk with Chase about how his Oaklawn meet has been going so far. Alright, Chase, since um since I have you for uh for the next little bit here. I did want to ask you a little bit about your Oaklawn meet so far. Um, I have had an awful Oaklawn meet. I think it might be my lowest Roy track in uh, in the great swath of tracks that I you know put money into. Um, I, I've had absolutely no clue. Um, really, the only hit I've had at Oaklawn is that fuck that horse. That um, oh my god, I hate up, that messed up <laughs> all your horizontals. That like it was like a eleven or like a I was eighteen or nineteen to one. I had five like five or ten bucks to win on. Um, other than that, uh, I've had like zero luck at Oakland. So um, how how things been going for you? I know you started off a little cold, but it seems like you're you've been warming up lately. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh. I would be lying if I if I said that this meet hasn't been uh, an extremely difficult meet. Um, the weather has ju- has not been very cooperative in the slightest. Um, I'm thinking about you know every, every race week that we've had so far has started off with about two to three straight days of just pissing rain all over hot springs arkansas and so it's really hard to get any sort of consistency and understand how this track is playing because uh you know every every time it seems like uh, every time thursday friday rolls around that you're you're on a uh, a good sealed track or a muddy track or a muddy sealed track um this week i'm pretty excited about it because uh, it looks like we're going to have our first week of 100% fast racetrack. Um, but it's, it's been, uh, it's been pretty difficult and you, you're not wrong when you said that I started out uh, fairly cold. Uh, I'm, I'm warming up. I'm still not, uh, where I expect to be with Oaklawn. Um, you know, I, I expect to be hitting anywhere from like the 25 to about 30% winners, you know, day in, day out, um, w- with Oaklawn. Uh, but, there, there are a lot of things that are that are new, at, you know, new and different for Oakland this year. That are, that you know, it's taking some adjusting uh, to to get used to. For one, um, you know, if you're if you're not aware of all the the happenings at at the Oakland Racing Gaming Casino Resort, um, they're building a really nice hotel that uh, is going to be uh, in the, in the first turn at, at route races. The kind of runs. Uh, 
towards that new hotel. And I think it really kind of, it affects how the wind hits the track. It affects, I think maybe the drainage with the construction going on. So, you know, you're having to get used to how, how long water sticks around, uh, before things dry off and, you know, how, how, you know, maybe the changing and, and, you know, wind, how, it, how it hits the track, um, you know, how that's making everything play. Then you have a ton of California trainers who you might have only previously seen one or two races from them, uh, leading up to the, uh, you know, your, your big, um, race days with, uh, the rebel, uh, the Southwest, uh, the Arkansas Derby, of course. And so now you've got Hollendorfer keeping a string of horses there. You've got, um, uh, John Sadler's got quite a few, uh, Doug O'Neill is, is around a lot more Philip D'Amato, um, you know, and it can be difficult comparing the class and kind of going, you know, apples for apples when it comes to these horses that have been knocking around, you know, in part Delta downs, the fairgrounds, Arlington park, the Kentucky tracks, and comparing them to uh, a horse that was, that's been running at Santa Anita or Del Mar. Cause it's just a different type of racing. Um, and in addition to the influx of, of these West Coast invaders, the, you've got an influx of West Coast jockeys that just kind of run different. Some of them are finding their groove. Some of them aren't. Joe Talamo, uh, smoking Joe Talamo comes comes to mind specifically as one who's really running really well, especially uh, with Brad Cox horses. So I'll be excited to see how this week actually treats uh, treats me with uh with a really a consistent sur- what should be a consistent surface from thursday all the way through through sunday um one thing is for certain is the the quality of racing is is high that's what makes it so difficult uh yeah big fields and you know they're loaded so it's kind of this th- the thing where you know a lot of these these trainers are are great and they're they win at a high clip and so they might not be winning at a high clip but they can sneak up and win at at any time um haven't seen a very speed favoring track um but it's also been kind of mind-boggling because you'll see a race that goes you know a smoking hot opening opening quarter of you know two you know 21 and 21 and eight or 21 and five and it's like oh well this is gonna melt down and then it holds and then you'll see a race right after that that goes you know 22 23 in the opening quarter and it absolutely melts down so uh it's it's uh it's like playing it for the first time again, but I, I, I enjoyed the challenge. Um, and I've been able to, to really kind of smoke a couple horizontals and hit some really big trifectas, uh, through, through the, through the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I know for sure that you had, um, you had a bit of a slow start. So what, uh, did you contribute that mostly to the weather? Yeah. Um, you, you opened the meat on a, on a muddy track. Um, and it's uh you know track condition the words to describe track conditions kind of list nuance there's a lot of difference between a good track uh you know one day versus good track the next day it's the same with a muddy track so i i attribute a lot of it to to the conditions uh i maybe a little bit too reliant on uh some of the the big connections from from last year uh for example uh eminem racing and mike sisk uh i i right now can't connect on a you know the right eminem horse to to save my life um however you are seeing you know 
a, a trainer who had a fantastic year last year, kind of took a step forward in terms of, uh, you know, kind of competing with with Asmussen uh, for that top trainer spot, uh, make another step forward. And that's Robertino Diodoro. And this, unlike last year, he's not just doing it with M&M racing horses. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, another thing where sometimes you have to remember that whenever it's a new meet, you can almost just kind of wipe the slate clean and yeah, connections that have done well there last year, doesn't mean that their barns are going to fire again this year. And you have to, you have to adapt and find the hot barn again. Or in Diodoro's case, not the hot barn, the uh, the hot place wherever he ships them to in secret after he enters them in races before he returns them back to the track. Yeah, that, that was kind of funny how they uh, they walked that that whole thing back uh, after uh, I forgot who it was. It was maybe it was uh, Ray Pollock had posted something and then he like walked it back. He's like, "Well, I just talked to him again, and they said that that wasn't exactly what they meant." Right. It doesn't. No matter what, um, doesn't matter how far he walked it back. It's still the idea of what he said initially really isn't a good look. Um, you know, allowing them to enter, and you know, it was a thing of saying, you know, he only has forty stalls, or you know, and he does train a bunch of horses, but you know, it it, it didn't quite smell right. I guess is what I'll say about it. Anything big coming up this weekend? Uh, I know I'll mostly be playing uh, Gulfstream on Saturday. I think tomorrow I'm going to be uh, I'm entering an NHC feeder. I think um, they have a couple of uh, they have a couple of uh, hey you were a really shitty rookie. Why don't you play in this with other shitty rookies? I saw yeah. Congratulations on your shitty rookie invite. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Um, you know I when doing my uh when i'm doing my uh, my tip sheets uh, i i really kind of just try to focus in on the on the tracks that that i'm have people who are paying me for my opinion so i i mean i will be probably talking to myself in the midwest channel on <laughs> on discord uh while everyone else is focused on Gulfstream. uh i might not play Gulfstream, um but i most certainly will be watching it just because uh you know for one you have all these great stakes but you know for two you've it's uh it's got you've got kentucky derby implication though so I'll, I'll be focusing in on my on my typical oaklawn turfway uh you know stomping grounds but you know that's that's pretty much it just kind of try trying to uh do enough handicapping ahead of time that i'm not rushing at uh you know rushing to try to get sheets done before post time on saturday morning and what's uh what's your website again for uh for people listening it's uh, justpickwinners.net. Uh, me and I've got uh, a team of uh, really handicap, really talented handicappers, uh, the team JPW, um, with, uh, you know, we offer a wide varieties of tracks. And uh, yeah, we're uh, just got started in November, but uh, things are going really well. And I've uh, got some, a great little customer base. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here uh, for. Uh... For Chase the Wolf, thank you for uh, for taking some time out of your uh, your busy night here and sitting down with me. Um, we missed uh, both Mark and uh, Caleb were well. Mark was traveling for work and Caleb is moving, so um, both don't sound like uh, great options right now. Although Mark, I did see Mark just post a picture of a very 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 pink drink. So it sounds like he's having <laughs> he's having a heck of a Mark time right now. 
out yeah. in California. So uh, he's gonna he's gonna show up to the Rebel in a couple of weeks and be like, you know what, I really like Singapore slings. Oh, Mark, never change. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for thanks for having me, and I look forward to doing these podcasts again. It's uh, it's a nice little change of pace from the usual YouTube stream. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for everyone else with the I'm the Wrong Lead team, uh, I'm Josh, and we'll catch you guys later. Piece of cake. Yeah, that went well. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'll do a bunch of editing and get uh, um, get it cleaned up and more streamlined, but...